Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. started last Sunday, and so if you weren't with us last Sunday, you just, you just interrupted my sermon. You've just interrupted my sermon. You just you just came right in the middle of it. Uh, but uh, don't feel bad about that. It's just taken me two services to get all the way through it. And that happens from time uh, to time. So we're going to go and springboard from the same verse of Scripture that we did last week. Last week we, we stopped, we quit, uh, and hopefully tonight we'll quote-unquote finish. 1 Kings chapter number 11 and verse number 6. Just a few words here within this verse. It's not lengthy and it's just one verse that I share with you tonight. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. What we're kind of hanging our hat on or been focusing on last week and still yet we will somewhat this week is that he went not fully after the Lord and so tonight part two to last Sunday I want to talk to us again about picking up where you left off picking up where you left off amen we'll get our bearings here tonight again Hopefully give some people some bearings about where we are uh, for the sake of those that may be viewing for the first time so they'll still have somewhat of an uh, understanding and a semblance of what we are talking about here this evening. Let's go to the Lord and pray right now that he would have his will and purpose, amen, even in this service uh, for the rest of this time tonight. Father, I come to you this evening. I pray, oh God, I need you, Lord, in this place. I need, Lord, that same spirit, God, that connected with us here, Lord, last Sunday, to connect with us now here in the ministry of your word. Help us, God, to pick back up, Lord Jesus, where we left off, speaking about picking up, God, where we left off, Lord Jesus, in our lives. I pray, oh, Lord, minister to someone tonight. God, let this be more than just words, God, going across the live stream, but let ministry happen. I pray, oh God, within the life and within the heart and soul of somebody. Lord, I pray, oh God, go before us, Jesus. Help us, oh God, give, give Lord, your servant adequate words. I pray, God, to speak, Lord, to the hearers tonight. God, that if we would be hearers of the word, that we would also be doers of it as well. God, let a fresh touch from heaven touch us in our homes and the families and lives of the church members, even of this established place. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. Can everybody say amen? Hallelujah. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm having a little problem here. I put a little lotion on my hands before church, and that's causing this microphone to get slick. So the forewarning is if it goes flying through the air through any moment of time, you know what happened. All right. Amen. Picking up, picking up where you left off. Concerning the temple of Solomon, the Bible says, so Solomon built the house and finished it and those that phrase alone seems like some simple and somewhat vague way to summarize seven years of a man's life because it was seven years that Solomon had spent uh, that time frame of diligently overseeing and helping build diligently laboring and strategizing uh, in order to bring about the most noble structure known as the temple of Solomon, doing it for the glory of the Lord, doing it for the purpose of the recognition of the name of the Lord. And it's evident in our scripture reading tonight of 1 Kings eleven six that Solomon is at a different stage in his walk with God in our text compared to when he built the temple. He went from being a man that was in love with God and following 
in the footsteps of his father David to a man that is in love with many strange women as the Bible calls them and consequently they're strange gods. He is seen as a a man that once went above and beyond what was expected uh, to a man that went not, as the scripture says, fully after the Lord, which basically means that Solomon did not follow the Lord. Solomon rather refused to follow the Lord completely. And uh, may we note tonight that not to follow all the way is to incompletely follow. Amen. He, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. The Bible says that God desired in the Old Testament Scripture to establish an everlasting kingdom with Solomon and his descendants, the sons that would follow him. Only if he remained constant as in the day that he was chosen to be king. Only if Solomon would remain consistent in doing the commandments and the judgments of God would the throne be established forever through him and his descendants. But as we read in Scripture, that did not occur because Solomon did not fully follow the Lord. Solomon settled for wives. He settled for strange gods rather than just for the God of Israel. In essence, he settled for what would become a divided nation rather than a whole nation. He settled for his descendants getting two tribes of the twelve, amen, rather than the whole twelve tribes. The nation of Israel, according to Scripture, would be divided, as I stated last week, because a man settled for something less than he was promised. And yet, as we viewed last week, and we still yet this week, again today, that his story is not unlike many others. God has a purpose, ladies and gentlemen, for your life and my life. God has a plan for our lives. He, he has desires at times that supersede the desires that we even have for ourselves or that we're even tuned into ourselves. Sometimes in our relationship with God, there are those what I would call quiet nudges that are prodding our spirits in the directions that are larger than our life, that are bigger than us. I call them God-inspired destinies. God-inspired destinies that have been shown to us or a preview has been given to us that we understand without doubt that it will take faith in order to reach that destiny. It will take faith in order to grasp a hold of that destiny. And like anybody with the zeal of a moment of something new or the zeal of the moment of something that has been previewed to us or shown to us that is up to coming, we start out with the gusto of strength. We start out with the gusto of determination in those directions. But it isn't long till in our minds, as we spoke this morning, the battle begins and there's betraying thoughts and there's betraying spirits and sometimes it's just spirits of satisfaction that lure us into settling for less than what God has in plan for us. And we find ourselves like Solomon, not fully following after the Lord. You will remember from last week talking about not fully following the Lord. There were some that settled for less because if you'll remember they were following someone else's lead like the nation of Israel following the voices of the ten spies that had went into the land. Their leaders so to speak. Amen. But they settled for less of not crossing over Jordan because they listened to the voices of the ten. Or like Abraham the son of Terah. Amen they stopped at Haran because Tira says this is where we're going to stop this is where we're going to dwell although the aforementioned go and sight was Canaan there's times also like last week that we stopped short because we just thought we couldn't make it we just thought that we could not achieve that much like Israel we believed all of the voices that told us that we could not fight against the giants that were in the land and win. Or like Lot, we have convinced ourselves that 
that we're a little bit doubtful about whether or not we can make it to the mountain. I'm going to talk to us tonight that there are some destinies that we have avoided because it wasn't just basically what we wanted. There's some destinies that we never reached because they didn't harmonize per se with, with exactly what we wanted. And there's some others that we never arrive at because we become satisfied at different little spots, different little junctures along the way. And I need to remind you the, to today as we enter in this again that the tragedy of, of settling, if you'll remember this from last week, the tragedy of settling and was stopping is that oftentimes we suffer losses at those places we settle. Like Solomon, kingdoms are rent from us. Amen. When we do not fully follow the Lord the Bible says there is a book in the Bible named after this individual his name is Jonah Jonah is considered in the scripture as a prophet of the Lord God has some foreordained plans for Jonah he wants to use this man of God in regards to the city of Nineveh Jonah's story is perhaps somewhat different from those that we have already preached about his story is a little, is a little uh, different than those that we spoke about last week. Last week we talked about people and we talked about groups of individuals that, that stopped short or settled, amen, short of where they needed to be or where they were called to be. But when we look at the life of Jonah, Jonah is a man that attempted to go as far as he could in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be. He went as far as he could in the opposite direction of where he needed to be. And nonetheless, just like the others, he evidently did not fully follow the Lord. The cry comes to Jonah in the book of Jonah, the Lord speaking to him. He says, arise and go to Nineveh. But the result from that command, the result from that plea from God was this that Jonah rose up and he fled unto Tarshish, the most distant city known in the known world. A man was Tarshish. It was about 2,200 miles to the west of the Joppa port that Jonah would pick up a boat, a ship at, at Joppa, 2,200 miles west of that place. Whenever Jonah heard the voice of God tell him, to rise and go to Nineveh. He was somewhere in the vicinity of the Sea of Galilee. Had he left the Sea of Galilee in that moment and went straight to Nineveh, it would, pro it would have been around a 700-mile journey to Nineveh. But instead of going to Nineveh, he traveled 16 miles to Joppa to get on a boat that would take him 2,200 miles to Tarshish. Amen. Here is a man for settling for something less than what God had for him. For that matter, he was going even in the direct opposite direction of where he needed to be going. But here's what I want you to realize about the story of Jonah. Jonah could get himself from the Sea of Galilee to Joppa. Jonah couldn't make that trip. Jonah could travel those 60 miles, but after he got to Joppa, he got on a ship. What I'm saying is this, Jonah could get himself to Joppa, but once he got to Joppa, a ship was going to take him to Tarshish. Can I tell you that once he got on that ship, that Jonah would be at the mercy of the ship. Jonah would be at the mercy, if you will, of the sea that was carrying the ship. I want to preach to us here this evening just a little bit here tonight that some of the initial steps we take we need to be aware of because the initial steps we take but beware when you cross the line that you are now not just taking yourself but you are being taken. Hallelujah. We, we got to watch those moments when we cross over the threshold where we are in control and now we are controlled. Where we can get to a certain spot but then once we reach that destination that we're being taken by something else. Can I tell you tonight, there are some places that we go and there are other places that we are taken to. 
Hallelujah. I guarantee you this evening there are some people, amen, that made some choices and decisions that if you were will work diametric, amen, to the will of God and the purpose of God, and they took out on a journey, but they crossed a threshold somewhere along the way that everything, they, a trip that they thought they were in control of, a trip that they thought they had a handle and a grasp on, they reached a certain point now that they were not the one in control. There were other things in their lives that were pulling them away and taking them to places that they thought they would never, never end up. We got to be careful. Amen. If we ever get to a place where we're not in control of where we are going because the moment that we surrender that privilege of power to something else or someone else, we're going to be taken where it takes us. Hallelujah. Someone say glory. The Bible describes the story of Jonah. He steps on ship. He goes down into the base part of the ship. And the Bible describes that upon that sea that is taking him. Amen. And taking that ship, it describes a great wind begins to blow upon the sea. It says a mighty tempest, amen, came upon the sea. And yet the Bible describes these words. And we might think this is fine, but there's nothing fine with what I'm about ready to tell you. There's a great wind. There is a tempest upon the sea and the Bible describes Jonah that he is down in the boat and Jonah is sleeping with no sense of awareness. He is just keeping on being taken with no sense of awareness. There is a horde storm up top. There's great winds and the waves are rising and falling and beating against the vessel. The Bible even describes the shipmen and, and the mariners upon the ship that they are not comfortable with the wind. They're not comfortable with the storm. They're not comfortable with the waves going on. But the footnote in the Bible is this, Jonah's sleeping. Jonah's sleeping. I want you to know this evening that it's dangerous when you've grown comfortable being taken by something that has every indicator of being life-threatening. It is dangerous being comfortable, amen, when the things, people, these were heathenistic, pagan, amen, mariners upon the boat. They weren't comfortable with what was going on, but Jonah, who was a man of God, He's comfortable. He's asleep. Amen. He's comfortable with everything. The ship's probably, they even read it in the book of Jonah, the ship may likely be broken, but Jonah's asleep. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone, even, even some of the shipmen upon the ship, even Jonah himself may perish, but Jonah's asleep. Everybody else is afraid, but Jonah is asleep. Folks, it is a dangerous place to be in. When you are absolutely going in a direction opposite of God and you're comfortable with it. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Storms are coming. Waves are rising and falling. But you're going on and sleeping. It's a very dangerous thing. And the tragedy of Jonah's story is that he wasn't the only one. Listen to me clearly. Jonah was not the only one in the storm. And yet he realizes in Jonah, the book of Jonah, that he is the reason for the storm. He's not the only one in it, but he realizes he's the reason for it. He tells us in Jonah 1, 2, and 1 and verse 12, I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. He's standing there among those mariners and he's telling them the great waters and the tempest upon the sea, everything that you see happening that you're uncomfortable with, that you're afraid of, he said, that's for my sake, but it's upon you. He says, I know what's happening right now is happening because of me. And for that matter, everybody that I'm presently associated right now, since I'm on your ship in your vessel and we're in this thing right now on the board, this ship together, right now you're going through my storm because of my decision. You're going through my storm because of my decisions and yet Jonah slept. He was comfortable with it. Let me tell you today, folks, what you do in life doesn't just affect you. What you do in your family doesn't just affect you. What you do in your church doesn't just affect you. Sometimes we put people in the, our storms. They're there for our sake, our purpose. 
us because of decisions we've made or places we have gone or roads that we have traveled. And we got people in our storms that shouldn't be there to begin with. I can't overstate it. I said it last week, but I can't overstate it. We must be conscious of the husbands and the wives and the children. Amen. That's endured another family member's storm. Amen. Because that person settled. Because that person didn't fully follow the Lord. Because that person left off where God wanted them to be. People are enduring storms that are not their own. I'll, I'll go to this extreme, and now I'm going to talk to you about picking up tonight. All right. Someone's saying, well, you, this is just, you're still talking to us about where we left off. Yeah, I understand. I'll even tell you that there are churches. Listen to me, the greater world of the web. There are churches contending with winds that were never meant for them. Suffering losses that they should have never had. Because they were living through somebody else's storm. When we look at the story of Jonah, Jonah didn't lose his life. There is no loss of life on the ship that we have recorded in Jonah. But the Bible says, well, Brother McGee, then all's well. No, 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 no. There was a loss. The Bible describes that Jonah was deeply afflicted. He told those boys to throw him overboard, and they did. And then a great fish was prepared to catch Jonah. As we know from Bible stories of of young up, three days and three nights, Jonah is in the belly of a great fish. And Jonah describes his own predicament in that belly as being in the belly of hell. He is deeply afflicted. He describes while he's in the belly of that fish, that the waters were encompassing around about him. He describes it to the degree like this, that the waters were encompassing him even to the depth of his soul. Now that's deep water. That's water over your head, getting to the depth of your soul. He says, they're encompassing about me, even to the depth of my soul. He describes himself that there was seaweed, weeds wrapped around his head while he was in the fish. And perhaps the greatest loss from the point that Jonah left, amen, Joppa, and headed toward Tarshish and in the future was vomited on the dry land. The greatest loss that he had in that that, that period of time was this, the loss of time. Oh yeah. The loss of time. Nobody died. No lives were lost. But there was time lost. However long it took to get from the Sea of Galilee to jump and however far they got away from shore and the three days and three nights in the well's belly to be vomited up upon dry land. He lost time. The Bible even tells us that whenever Jonah got on the ship that he paid a fare. He paid a price to get on that ship. And let me tell you, getting on a ship that's taking you in the opposite direction where God wants you is costly. If it costs you nothing else, it will cost you some time. Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to leave you, amen, encouraged, but I got to talk to you about the dark side, amen, uh, picking up where you left off. We cannot get back the time that we wasted. We cannot relive those years that we squandered on lesser important things. The cry that I've heard as a pastor, and maybe several of you have heard as well, has always been this. I wish I hadn't waited so long to come back to God. I wish I didn't wait so long before I made things right with God. I wish I didn't waste all those years and I could have given the prime of my life to God. You know what that person is saying? I lost time. I lost time. I lost time. But honey, there's no reason in clicking off another day. There's no reason in clicking off another year. The Savior is still standing with open arms and he wants you to pick up where you left off. You can't get back the years, but you can't get the years that are still, my God, you can't get the years that are still ahead of you. Oh, yes. Hello, mm. Hello, 
Will you, sir? Will you, ma'am, pick up where you left off? The Bible says that the word of the Lord came the second time to Jonah. After being vomited upon the dry land, the word of the Lord came the second time to Jonah and said, Arise, go unto Nineveh. And the Bible says, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. I'd say like this, he just picked back up where he left off. Let me, someone may be struggling here tonight. And in the back of their mind, they're saying, Brother McGee, I can't do that. Brother McGee, it wouldn't be kosher for me to do that. Because, yes, I lost time. But if you only knew what I did in that time period. Yeah, I lost time, but I've, I've been some places. I've been taken huh, some places. If you only knew what I did. Can I tell you here this evening that, yes, Jonah was just there on dry ground. But remember where he just came from. He came from the belly of a great fish. Sure, there is no doubt in my mind, Brother Mason, that there were some remnants upon him of where he had been. There was some remnants upon him of where he had been. He still might have had some seaweed twisted around his leg, maybe a little bit overlapping the ear here. There was the smell of a fish's belly upon his skin from the vomit that had clinged to his body when he was spewed out. But you know what? He says, that doesn't matter. I still need to pick up where I left off. I Can I tell somebody tonight, I don't care the wounds or the scars or what it is that time frame has done into you or what you suffered from or what condition you're in you can still get up right from there you can pick up and go on pick up where you left off All that is for you is the adversary of your soul saying they won't accept me if there's seaweed around my leg. They won't accept me if there's the smell of where I used to be upon me. I'm telling you tonight, you come on in. You smell like whatever you want to smell like. Look however you want to look. There's a God that still has his mind's eye upon the destiny he had spoken in your life on a future that, that he had for you. Hallelujah. Jonah, just pick back up, buddy. Where you left off. As Jacob, from Jonah to Jacob now, as Jacob, Old Testament scripture in the book of Genesis, he left the land of Canaan. He left in fear or because of the wrath of his brother Esau. Wanting to murder him, take his brother's life. See, having the blessing and the birthright. The Bible says Jacob, as he left Canaan, he stopped at Luz. And while he was there, he experienced the presence of God there. He sat a pillar up that he had had for a pillow. And he anoints it there. And he called that place, which was Luz, he calls it. Bethel. This is what the scripture says in Genesis 28, verses 20 and 21. At this place, Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. It was at Bethel. He felt and experienced the presence of God. And he had vowed this vow. That he would return to the land of his fathers. And he would worship the Lord. If the Lord would prosper him. Our first indication in scripture that God wanted Jacob to fulfill that vow he made at Bethel. And complete that vow that he made at Bethel. Is whenever he told Isaac's son, whenever he told Jacob to leave Laban's country, Pandanaram, the area of Haran, leave that place and return, Jacob, to the land of your fathers. 
Jacob had lived in the area of Pandanaram, Haran area for many years. He, man, he had been there. He'd gotten Rachel and Leah there, had several children there, livestock increased there, but God spoke to him there and wanted him to return home. Amen. He wants him to return to the place where he made his vow. And so Jacob has Bethel in his sights. But Jacob, hallelujah, needed to go back according to the word of the Lord. Jacob, you need to get back to where you experienced my presence. Jacob, you need to get back to where you erected that pillar. You need to get back to where you made your vow. You need to get back to Bethel. You need to get back to the house of God. But as we look at the scriptures, and we have seen this over and over again, and this is the reason why it's taken me two weeks to do it, amen, that Jacob did not fully come to Bethel. The Bible says that, yes, he did make it to the land of Canaan, absolutely, but he did not fully come to Bethel. He made a few stops along the way, but none of them was as costly as his stop at Shechem. Amen. He bought, the Bible says, a parcel of a field there at Shechem. He pitched his tent there at Shechem. Many even believe that he dug a well there at Shechem. But there's something we must draw a line in the sand with concerning the city. Shechem is not Bethel. Shechem is not the house of God. For that matter, Shechem means in Scripture part or portion. And I believe that explains it the best. Amen. For our purposes tonight. Shechem isn't all. Shechem's part. Shechem isn't all. Shechem's portion. Shechem is not fully following. It's not where the vow was made. It's not where God was experienced in Jacob's life. It's part of the way. A portion of the way. It's a portion of the distance. And yet, listen to me clearly tonight. At Shechem. That place that isn't quite the distance of Bethel. At Shechem, the Bible says that Jacob builds an altar here, calling it El Elohi Israel, meaning God, the God of Israel. But that's not where he made his vow. That's not where he erected his pillar. That wasn't the house of God. Yet he builds an altar and says, God, the God of Israel. Just walk with me here a little bit. Sometimes, I say this all the love and compassion. Sometimes we attempt to sanctify places and sanctify events and sanctify people because we have chosen them and we want God to accept them too. Bethel's where he needs to be going. Shechem is where he went. And he builds an altar there. God didn't tell him to build an altar there, none of that. But he built the altar there and said, God, the God of Israel. Can I tell you that sometimes we try to sanctify places with building altars in those places because we want God to accept where we're at. Or we want God to accept what we're doing. Or we want God to accept... <clears throat> The relationships that we are involved in. You can call it the God of this, the God of that, whatever you want to call it. But there's something else we must realize. Jacob is saying, God, the God of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Remember, he's going to pass over the brook Jabbok. He wrestles with an angel. His name is changed. No longer Jacob, but it's going to be Israel. You've prevailed with man and you've prevailed with the Lord. You're going to be called Jacob. So whenever he's saying God, the God of Israel, he's saying God, the God of Jacob. Someone say amen. Lord, help me. We proclaim God as being ours. Sometimes whenever we find ourselves in compromising places and we use him his name his label to validate our attitudes and our positions God God is the God of Jacob I'm right here at Shechem the partial the portion it's not where Jacob needs to be it's not where the Lord quite wants him but he's saying God's the God of Jacob 
Everybody wants to proclaim God's the God of them when they're not where God wants them to be. See, our feet are partially there, Jacob, but they're not where we need to be concerning the Lord. So I'm going to claim God as my God right here when right here is not where I need to be. If you want to you be deceptive about something and you want to hide something, just slap God on it. Sometimes we put religious labels on something just, just to try to validate whatever it is. We make altars some places just because maybe no one will interrogate where we are if we just say, well, God is the God of me right now, where I'm at and what I'm doing. But Shechem, there was losses at Shechem, folks. Jacob's daughter, the one that we have recorded of Scripture, Jacob had more than one daughter, but this is the one that we have most record of in Scripture. Jacob's daughter, Dinah, she was sexually taken advantage of at Shechem. And as a result of this, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, as a result of this, then committed a very horrendous act over the she- on the Shechem people, which marked their lives for the rest of their days. And all of this happened at that place of the part and the portion. And both, no doubt, for Jacob's family and he himself are accounted as losses in his life. So what I am conveying here over two Sundays is this. There are, and I, I believe we made this plain, there are prices to not fully going after the Lord. You can ask Solomon, there's prices, kingdom's rent. You can ask the myriad of others that we have spoke about and we've preached about, there are prices for not fully following the Lord. The sad situation of our text concerning Solomon is this. What's so somber about his story is because he never picked up where he left off. Solomon did not fully follow the Lord and he never got back to fully following the Lord. He never picked up where he left off. And yet there were others that stopped short of where they needed to be and they suffered losses. There were others like Jonah that went the opposite direction and they suffered losses because they weren't where they needed to be. But here is what I want to leave with you this evening before we go home. If you go back and look at all the stories I have told you of the scripture in these past two sermons, the nation of Israel eventually crosses Jordan and gets to Canaan. Abraham eventually leaves Haran and gets to Canaan. Lot eventually leaves Zoar and gets to the mountain. Jonah, he leaves the sea and gets to Nineveh. Jacob is going to leave Shechem and he's going to make it back to Bethel. In other words, in all these stories I've told to you, these are people that eventually picked back up where they left off and eventually made it to the destiny that God had prescribed for them. Whenever Joshua in the first book of Joshua, they are coming to the Jordan River now for the second time and he tells the nation he says prepare yourself. Why Joshua? He says because I know everybody in the former generation stopped here but we're passing on. What do you mean? We're going to pick back up where they left off. Abraham's hearing the voice of God leave your kindred, leave your father's house. He's leaving Haran and he's going to go into Canaan. Lot's getting out of Zoar. He's going to the mountain. All of these places, Jordan, Haran, Zoar, Joppa, Shechem, all of these people picked up where they left off and they eventually made it. Someone say amen. Mm, What are you saying? I'm talking tonight to everybody that's ever left off. I'm talking to everyone that may have left off somewhere along the way. That if you'll pick up back where you left off, you have the potential of making it too. If you'll pick back up where you left off, you have the potential of making it to the destiny that God had in his mind's eye when this journey was all finished. I'm going to tell you the good, bad, and the ugly tonight. I'm not telling you that eventually making it to your purposed place will solve everything that you lost or everything that was birthed in your time of leaving off. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you that that's going to solve all of that. Because Joshua and Caleb, the only two left of the nation of Israel, 
amen, of the former generation, they made it to Canaan, but they made it with a whole generation that was lost. Abraham made it to Canaan, but he made it without his daddy. Uh-huh. Lot made it to the mountain, but he didn't have his wife alongside of him. Let, let, me, let me just pause here for a moment. Our good old buddy Lot, he picked back up where he left off. He made it to the mountain. Listen to me very clearly. Oh God, I wish I could tell you differently. It don't always work this way, but it always doesn't work this way either. Hear me. Never is everything always solved because sometimes there's things that we sow in our time of leaving off that we reap the consequences of whenever we reach our destination. Lot made it to the mountain. Go back and read Genesis 18 and 19. Lot made it to the mountain. But what happens in the mountain concerning his two daughters? The Bible says that they took advantage of their dad. They took advantage of their dad. One got him drunk one night and laid with him. The other one got him drunk the other night and laid with him. And that was in the mountain. Well, Brother McGee, oh my Lord. Yeah, let me, let me reassure you. There was nothing wrong with the mountain. Are you hearing me? There was nothing wrong with the mountain. What happened on the mountain with those two daughters were just branches that evolved from his time spent in Zoar. Oh, consider Think with me here for a moment tonight, church. I wonder if Lot's daughters would have taken advantage of him if his wife was still alive. I wonder if they had had even the opportunity to take advantage of him in his tent if mama was still living. I wonder if it would have happened if they had just went from Sodom to the mountain and never stopped at Zoar. You know, I'm just being totally just real with you here tonight. But in spite of all that, nonetheless, let's consider Lot. Lot, still yet in this moment, you know what he learned? He learned that he could pick up where he left off. And he learned that, he learned that, you know what? Staying where he wasn't supposed to be wasn't no advantage to him. And the Bible says that he left Zoar fearing the place, fearing to dwell in Zoar anymore. The place that he first desired to go now that he fears staying there. And so not everything is lost. Not everything is lost. Not everything is just negative consequences because Lot did learn this, that he could leave his mistake, Zoar, and he could go on. And so I want to bring some comfort to somebody. There may be consequences in life after you get back on the right path. But you can leave where you made your mistake. And you can continue on. And you can go onward. Amen. So please, uh -uh, I'm crying out to somebody that maybe left. Amen. Left off somewhere along the way. I'm trying to tell somebody tonight that don't, don't grow desensitized. Or don't grow impervious to the grace of our God. Amen. Jonah, he caught a ship headed to Tarshish. For what purpose? We read in the scripture he did this because he wanted to flee from the presence of the Lord. Amen. And what Jonah did is what many have tried and attempted to do, but to no avail. They've tried to outrun God. They tried to find a place where his voice perhaps wouldn't speak to them or where his arms of grace would not reach them. They've tucked tailed and they've run because they didn't want what God wanted or they were afraid of his presence and what his presence may lead them to do. But I'm here to tell you tonight, amen, as a fat, flat-footed preacher here this evening, God can find you wherever you may be. God can find you you on a ship. God can find you in the belly of a great fish. God can find you under the shadow of a gourd, under a fig tree, in a whirlwind, in a storm, in a cave, in a grave, in a pigsty, on the backside of a desert. God can't find you and help you pick back up where you left off. The Bible says, the psalmist said it like this, and I'm hastening to a close. If the messages would come, the scripture says it like this. This is what the psalmist said in Psalms 139 and verse 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? 
or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Let me state it like this. Let me use the psalmist's words. If I make my bed in Haran, you're there. If I make my bed in Zoar, you're there. If I don't cross over Jordan, you're there. If I stop by Joppa and catch a ship to take me, you're there. If I go part of the way to Shechem, you're there. He said in verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Folks, the moral of the message, the moral of the story I've been attempting to convey to you the past couple of Sundays is this, and I hope that it is clear. And that is, you can make it even if you've stopped and settled along the way. You can make it if you've ran in the opposite direction of where you need to be. You can Make it, even if you've suffered loss along the way. Hear me, hear me, hear me tonight. Not fully going after the Lord today doesn't have to end with never going back. Oh, not fully following, I'm saying it again, not fully following the Lord today doesn't have to end with never going back. Pick up where you left off. Pick up where you left off. The Lord is in your corner. He's on your side in that endeavor of wanting to pick up where you left off. Don't, listen, loss is experienced when you settle. But don't allow your loss to be your legacy. Don't allow your loss to be your legacy. Don't leave your story. Incomplete. Hallelujah. If the musicians could come here tonight. Don't leave your story incomplete. I want somebody to be encouraged. I told both sides of, of these stories because I think sometimes hearing the loss that is suffered and the things that happen and the consequences sometimes can be good preventative maintenance for not leaving off. But at the same token, those that have left off and have somehow sidestepped the path that they should be on, I wanted to be encouragement to you that you can pick back up where you left off. We're not putting a period there. We're just putting a, sentence, a, a, a comma there. We're going to pick back up where we left off. I'm talking right now to somebody that may have been in quarantine for four weeks and even prior to that four weeks you left God a long time ago you stepped off the path but during all of this chaos going on in the world and the different services that you signed on and heard through the internet something started to trigger in your soul again and your spirit again that's telling you maybe I need to go back to the house of God maybe I need to make things right again with God sir or ma'am let my voice just harmonize with what those voices in your head's been telling you pick back up where you left off there is no better day no more acceptable time than right now don't let another day go on the calendar don't let another year pass pick up pick up where you have left off hallelujah if you can raise your hands right now we're going to pray we're going to pray there's people that I've been preaching to for the past two Sundays that could show me the list of losses. They could share with us the list of losses that they have experienced since the time that they've left off on that trajectory and that path for God. There would be some that could tell us their story of how it just wasn't what I wanted at the time or how I thought, you know, where I came from was more important. I didn't want to fully, you know, lose touch with that. And we could hear all the different stories as I've shared even throughout the scripture. People building altars at places because they want to make themselves feel comfortable about where they were, although they knew it wasn't where God wanted them to be. Just a cover-up, so to speak. But in and with all of that, sir or ma'am, I serve a God that sits at the crossroads. He sits at the crossroads every time.
He's beckoning us. He's urging us with open arms to continue on the journey in the right direction. We can become complete in Him. He can, even as the book of Joel tells us, whenever the locusts came up on the land and it devoured so many things, that God has the ability. Listen to me. I'm not saying it happens like this every time, but God has the ability. If He sees fit, He can restore what the canker worm and the palmer worm have devoured and ate. And those are very small and minuscule, just one of them, what they could partake of. But God even has the ability, if He chooses to, to bring some restoration of the things that we lost. But you gotta pick, you gotta pick up where you're at. And you gotta keep going in the direction of the divine plan of God. Don't be a Solomon that whose final words in the epitaph of his life is that the kingdom was rent and it was divided. No, no, no. Let this be your story. They veered off here and there. They suffered some losses, but they eventually made it. (laughs) They eventually made it. Oh, God. We need somebody that's listening tonight. We need the eventually made it portion of that in your life tonight. Don't sit on the sidelines and just watch it pass you by. Don't watch others pick back up where they left off and continue on their journey. No, sir or ma'am. It's good for you just as well as good for anybody else. That seaweed may be on your head or there may be the smell of your past upon your life. But that doesn't matter to God. He's saying arise and go. Arise and go. I'm asking is there anybody that will pick back up where you left off and continue? Is there anybody that will pick back up where you left on and continue? Come on, sir. Come on, man. Ma'am, holler out to God. See, the, the, the aspect of difference right here, right now, if, if you being here, you're not coming to an altar. There's nobody else watching you. It's just you in your house, perhaps with your family. So that should be a very safe space where you can lift your hands, even if you're all alone, and say, God, help me, Lord, to pick back up where I left off and continue on this journey right now Lord I pray in the Holy Ghost Lord over those people those viewers those listening those watching I pray oh God over those who have been pricked in their heart by the word of God I pray over those God that feel like God there's no chance I've done too much there's too many things I've experienced in this time there's been too much time lost I pray oh God bolster their faith bolster their strength give them the tenacity Lord to pick themselves back up and continue on a God destined God inspired go Lord that you would have for their life help them God to make it to their Canaan help them God to make it to their Nineveh help them God to make it to their Bethel their house of God by picking up where they left off in the name of Jesus Christ I pray amen continue talking to the Lord right now as the Masons close out this service in song praise him thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.